6, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6. And thank God I'm only going to do two verses so I can read them. <laughs> verses 12 and 13, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Amen. Amen. Now, over the last several weeks, you know, we talked to you uh, on the, well, basically the overall subject is the rescue of mankind. And then we asked the question last week, what does a saved person look like? So when you've been rescued, what does it look like? But today I want to talk to you on this thought. Our response to salvation. Do not yield to sin. Your response should always be do not yield to sin. And the most important word in that is yield. Amen. But let's pray this morning. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you. We give you praise for this day. This is the day that you've made, and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. It is a day of healing. It is a day of deliverance. It is a day of opportunity for us to be blessed, so we thank you for it. We thank you, God, for every man, woman, and child under the umbrella of Dayspring Christian Center, and God, for all of those who are under the covering of the United Christian Alliance. <coughs> Add a blessing to their word, and God, we give you praise for it. We thank you now, God, for every man and woman that's breaking the bread of life around the world. Add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> the first thing I want to show you is, is that in, in the, the text that we read to you, the Bible does not really say anything about yielding. It says present. But King James says yield. Amen. And the word there, yield, is, uh, is it's, a, it's a Greek word, parastemi, and what it means is to place at one's disposal or to present or to offer as a sacrifice. Now, according to uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies, which is exactly what he says in uh, verse 13 that you present uh, in verse uh, 13 that you present your members so the bible says that uh, the first thing we need to recognize is that our bodies as saved people as people who confess the name of jesus then our bodies are the temple of god our bodies house the very presence of god he resides in us not just sometimes, okay? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, or Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So you're here, you're here on planet Earth because God needed a residence. And all who would yield themselves to him then became his dwelling place. Now, there are some that yielded to the other fellow, but we'll talk about him in a moment. Now, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 20 and 21 says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that nothing and nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness and as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life, or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So everything that we do, we do for him. Everything that we do, we do through him. Are y'all following me? So the Bible says this, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But then the Bible says this, God wants us to use our members as tools. He calls them, and notice what he says here in uh, verse 12, uh, excuse me, and verse 13, he says uh, that they're instruments, instruments. Uh, that's another Greek word, hooplon, 
And it means to, a, a tool for work. Oh, you know, come on now. It's a tool for work. So our bodies then are tools for building the kingdom of God. And, and they are weapons for our warfare, fighting against the enemies of the kingdom. So we have our bodies as a temple. We have our bodies as a tool. And we have our bodies as a weapon. Y'all, you got all that. So that means that I am, I am the resident of God. I am his instrument that he uses for kingdom work. And I am his weapon that fights against every trick of the enemy. Come on, y'all don't, you don't see it like you understand this. I am. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit because you're empowered with his presence. That means that you are his instrument in the earth realm to do kingdom business. And then he goes one step further and said, because of his presence in us, we are the army of God. We are his weapon. Now, one of the things that we need to understand is that when God uses us as weapons, he does not use us with knives, guns, bricks, or sticks. We are equipped with one, one weapon and one weapon only. It is the word of God. Amen. Amen? Now, notice something else. The Bible goes on to tell us that we must not be in a state where we constantly yield to the devil. We cannot be a weapon for God if we continue to yield to the devil. Uh, but we covered that a little bit last week. And I want to go just a little bit further this week. So God wants us to know that <clears throat> the use of our weapons or our presence or our instruments is an act of our will. And it's based on the knowledge we have based on the knowledge of what Christ has done. Wait a minute. Let, let me try that one more time. Y'all a little slow today. I know it's raining, but it's going to clear up. It's based on what Christ has already done. See, if you ever need evidence of whether or not God is real, then look at what he's already done. You don't have to worry about what he's going to do. See, we're always concerned, and that's the nature of humans. We're always concerned about what has not happened. What has already gone on in times past? Amen. I know y'all watched the news the other day, and you see all those uh, tombs that they found? Oh, okay, that means that you didn't see it. <laughs> they found, uh, in Egypt, they found 31 tombs that had been hidden away. Now they said, first they said 2,000, yesterday they said 3,000 years. 3,000 perfectly preserved. They opened one on TV, the coffin, and it was perfect. 3,000 years. Well, somebody I'd like to meet that undertaker, but <laughs> maybe I don't. <laughs> But the thing that I'm showing you <laughs> is that history tells us something about the power of God. They haven't figured out yet how the pyramids were built. People are still pondering that thing. Now we understand that history has found the, the, the walls around Jericho. We see where they went down. Huh? And, and, and a little later in the lesson, I'm going to show you where uh, Samson took the gates off the city. They found the gates. So, so, so again, history shows us the Bible is real. So if I want to know, is this, are these just stories? Is it true? History has always proven it. But let me go on here. Let me go on. If you want to know, if you want to know what, what God will do, look at what he has already done. So then the Bible says this. It says the entire Christian life is a response 
to the one reign or the other. In other words, the way that I respond either to Christ or the devil determines who reigns in my life. Amen. It's my response. It's my, how do I respond? Now let me give you a quickie, and we can do this. If somebody says or does something to you that you don't like, if you are a Christian, how do you respond? Do you do something back? Or do you pray for them? Not the kind of prayer y'all pray. God, I pray that you'll just let the brakes go out on the car. <laughs> I don't want them to die, but they, they sure need to have a little small wreck so they know that they're messing with a child of God. Isn't it amazing when we pray, we always tell God we're a child of God, but we don't know what the other person is. So let's go. <laughs> so there must be in believers the final and complete surrender of the body to Christ. In other words, uh, I can't surrender in part because Romans 12 again calls it a sacrifice. When you sacrifice something, you don't get it back. Let me try that one more time. If it's a sacrifice, you don't get it back. Amen. Reminds me of folks that get mad with you in church. I'm talking about the pastor now. And then they say they want the money back. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I want the money back I gave you. Well, first of all, you ain't give it to me. And even if you gave it to me, I wouldn't keep it. So you can't get it back. Now, if you want your money back, I suggest that you listen now so you remember this, that you give in cash and write your name on the bill. <laughs> then you can put out an APB for your money. And whoever has it has to give it back to you because your name is on it. I'm having more fun than you all are. That's all right. <laughs> so the Bible says there must be a complete yielding, which means I have to give myself totally to Christ. Now, the longer we walk with Christ, the deeper our fellowship uh, uh, becomes with him. In other words, the reason that I stay in Christ is because I get to know more about him and my relationship to him becomes deeper and deeper and the more I know about him, the more I can trust him. Amen. Are you following me? It's like any other relationship. The longer you are with a person, the more you know about them. Amen. Uh, uh, so it's the same with Christ. The longer I walk in Christ, the more I know about him, the more I trust him, and the deeper my feelings for him become. So you, could I love Christ anymore? Yes. Yes, yes, I could. So the Bible says then uh, it's not a, 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 a every now and then surrender, but it's a once and for all surrender. And when I surrender, it's final and complete. So, you know, we, we, we talk about it in church and we sing the songs, you know, I give myself away and we do all this stuff. But we don't really know what we're saying, because if we understood it, then there'd be a one time surrender. If I knew that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I could never, ever complain. So apparently I don't know that. Amen. Well, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. I understand completely. Amen. So the Bible says this then. Do not yield to temptation. In other words, he's saying do not place what God has sanctified in the hands of the devil. Every time you yield to temptation, you give the devil place in your life. The devil does not have any stops. Once you release him, you release him to do any and everything. Okay, you're getting quiet on me. You can't let the devil have a little bit of sin. 
he, he does not take measured amounts of sin. What the devil does is he gets a foothold. He may release a little bit, but he's got it all. Wherever the devil is present, there is where he will reign. Listen to me very carefully. I want to say it again. Wherever the devil is present, that's the place he's going to reign. If he's present in your life, guess where he's going to reign? In your life. Well, Pastor, what if, what if there's more of, of the Lord in me than there is the devil, but the devil shows up every now and then? No, 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 that's not the way it works. Listen to me. You have to give Christ total authority in your life. When you give him authority in your life, what he does is begin to work in your life to eliminate those things that the devil has already put there. Now, remember, remember what we said in the beginning of this, not this message, but the lesson from way back two weeks ago when we were talking about the rescue of man. Adam gave dominion to the devil. But Christ redeemed us. And because he has redeemed us, now what he is doing is reclaiming us. But he reclaimed us with all our mess. So now what he does is he takes this vessel that's a temple of his, but it's got a lot of trash in it. The house wasn't clean. It looked good. Come on. But it, it had some stuff. You know how, you know, well, you know how some people clean. I know y'all don't because y'all are re really clean people. But, you know, some people clean around the middle. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you go in the corner, you might find something. You know, what was that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the issue is, the issue is when Christ comes in, he does a thorough house cleaning. Now, if he was to push out every sin, every evil thought, every passion in you, if he was to push it out at once, you'd be a mess. Because he's got to fill that void with his righteousness that you're not prepared to receive. Hmm? Because here's what happens. When you get to that point where you have uh, believed that you are totally clean, you believe that you can do anything and you're not going to have any consequence. That's why there's a lifelong learning curve. Y'all still with me? So the Bible goes on to teach us this, that we cannot give in to temptation. It is not sin to be tempted. Hear what I say. It is not sin to be tempted. The sin lies in the yielding. Are y'all understanding this? While the sin exists only in Satan's solicitation, it is the devil's sin, not ours. In other words, as long as the devil's messing with me, I don't have to yield. <laughs> the moment I let go, I have sin. As long as, listen now, come with you to think back. As long as Adam and Eve were in the garden, the snake was there. He didn't bother them and they didn't bother him. And as long as he was there, he was still a threat. But he had to convince them to surrender their will to his will. And until there was a surrendering of the will, there was no sin. Y'all with me? So you have found that in your life that there are things that happen people that you meet that influence you a certain way that work on you so that your will is broken. Now, it, listen, today's society, it can be a husband, a wife, boyfriend, a girlfriend. They keep saying, well, you don't love me. You don't do this. If you love me, you would do this. Huh? I need a new car. You won't buy me one. If you really love me. Hmm? 
And some, sometimes, I mean, uh, a husband can wake up with that in the morning. Well, you don't love me. Mona got a new car. <laughs> you don't love me. If you love Mona, don't be like, hey, love Mona, you, you, you buy me a car. <laughs> Leave church. You see Mona in her new car? <laughs> and eventually you, you break down the person's will. <laughs> That's too, that too funny. That's too funny. This, these names were used strictly for dramatization. <laughs> I, I, Mona, I felt something. That's why I said I better say something. Mona said, you talking right, Pastor. You talking. <laughs> 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 Woo. <laughs> so when we yield, we make the devil's sin our sin. So until we make it ours, it's his. The devil was a sinner from the beginning. But until we actually appropriate that, then it becomes our sin. Are y'all still with me? So that's why we say we don't enter into temptation. Amen? That's why the Bible teaches us when we pray, deliver us. You know, we cannot be tempted with evil. James chapter 4 and verse 1, James chapter 4 and verse 1 says, that where do wars come from within you? They come from your own lust. In other words, what the devil does is he taps into your passion. I like to say this. He finds your easily besetting sin. We can call it your Achilles heel. I don't know what you want to call it. But there's something that he finds that, that he, he, he knows that you like, and he works on that. He can make a good thing bad. Amen? You can start out with something simple. I like chicken. Now, you know that's a, a dramatization. But every day you, you decide you got to have a piece of chicken. You got to have a piece of chicken. <laughs> and you say, well, that's not sin, Pastor. Everybody eats chicken. But looking at you all culturally, you ain't baked it and you ain't boiled it. <laughs> and I'm guessing, I don't know because I don't know much about chicken, but I bet you yours has skin on it too. And most people would say, well, Pastor, what, what they got to do with anything? Because that's where the fat is, is under that skin right there. And then when, when your blood pressure grows up after you turn 50. Huh? And then your high blood pressure causes your kidneys to have issues. So that good thing that you enjoyed every day ends up killing you. And that's my commercial for chicken. <laughs> it doesn't have to be chicken. It can be, it can, it can. But do you, you, you understand this? This is how simple it is for the devil to tempt you. Pass it just don't taste good unless. Now, first of all, it don't taste good at all. No, the only reason you like chicken is what you put on it. it uh-uh. No. Everything tastes like. And what does chicken taste like? Nothing. Put it in a pot. Put in some water and boil it. Add no salt, no pepper, no nothing, and taste it. 
Hmm. Okay. I proved my point. <clears throat> so, so, so. Oh, I got to talk a little faster. So sin then represented is represented as a king or a ruler who has the desires of the mind and the members of the body under his control. So sin becomes our king. It is our Lord and master. Why? Because he, he deals with our passions, the things that we are weak for. And the Bible says he governs the body uh, so we can figure out if, if we can get him out of, our, uh, out of controlling us, we wouldn't have to worry about sin. Well, the Bible says that if, if you have sin in your house, then you need to have the house clean. There's a parable in there that talks about uh, 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 when the strong man is, is in his palace, his goods are secure. But when a stronger one comes in, he cleans the house. So when Christ comes in, he starts to move things out of you that would hinder you from being what he's called you to be. Amen. So the Bible says this. He says, do not let sin reign. In other words, don't let him be the king. Don't let him be the king. Don't let it work. Let him have no place, no being in your soul. And wherever he is, know that he will govern. If he comes in, he ain't going to just sit in the living room. Sin is not sin without this authority. In other words, sin is not sin until the sin has authority in your life. Are y'all understanding this? If, this if, if the thought is there and you don't act on it, you're okay. But if you move on it, then you have a problem. Amen? And most of us don't know how to to stop thinking about stuff. Every thought has to be replaced with a different one. You have to dispossess thoughts. You have to put them out. Mm. No, I ain't got time. I ain't got time right now. Let me go. We'll talk about this another time. So the Bible says then that uh, if sin is there, you should not let it rain in your body uh, and definitely do not obey it. If it's there, it will rain. And if it rains, it assumes the subjection of that which it rains. So which, in other words, he says, if he comes into your body, Satan believes that if I, you give me a place, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Now, I know this because I passed it a year or two. And here's what I hear. You, you want to hear the devil talk for a moment? Here's, what, here's, what, here's, here's how you know the devil's in charge. Because this comes out of your mouth. You can't tell me what to do. Listen, every Christian, every born-again person who's ever said that to a saved person, you can't tell me what to do. That's the devil talking. It means he has authority because because Christ is the only legitimate authority. And therefore, if listen, if legitimate authority can't tell you what to do, then that means that illegitimate authority is in charge. So you want to know why where, where he's reigning? Just listen to how people talk. Well, you can't tell me what to do. Sure. You're right. I can't. My question to you is, why is it you can't tell you what to do? No, you didn't get that. Let me try it on this side. Why is it you can't tell you what not to do? You haven't tapped in the authority to say, Satan, I rebuke you. Resist the devil. But instead, we submit. You can't tell me what to do. 
Now, that doesn't mean it has to be your pastor. It can be your parent. It can be an old sibling. It can be someone who is a seasoned saint. You can't tell me what to do. And that's how you shut down the church. Everybody just quiet now. Pastor, I don't see it that way, but I'm scared to say anything. <laughs> a king reigns, listen now, a king reigns when his laws are enforced and the people obey him. When there is no executive government, there is no reign. Now, I could go off here, but I'm going I'm to move on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. <laughs> This is how sin is known by evil influences in the mind and evil acts in our life. We know that when we think, listen, I know this is hard for some of you. When we think bad about people, the devil has already got control of our minds. And when we do something about, for example, listen, if, it's, if, if you're angry with someone, Christian person, and you tell somebody you're angry with that person because you want them to be angry too, now you got two people sinning. Now think about what you did. You got mad, and then you want to push your anger a step further by involving somebody else. That's how the devil gets dominion. That's why the Bible says you can't give him any place. He only knows how to reign. Listen to me. The Bible teaches us Jesus knows how to submit because he has the Father to submit to. And he learned submission, the Bible says, by the things. That's right. Nowhere does the devil learn how to submit. The devil has to be subdued. He will not submit. You have to overcome him. You got to defeat him. You got to beat his you know what into submission. You can't play with the devil. Well, I ain't doing anything. I was just thinking about it. Why were you thinking about it? Oh, have mercy. I'm about out of time. We ain't got nowhere yet. Okay, I need to skip some of this then. That, that's what I need to do. Uh, because I, hear, I have an illustration I want to share with you, and I, and I need to... Jeez. Samson is my illustration. Y'all know Samson. Now, why is Samson the illustration of this? Because Samson was born as a Nazarite Judge. When I say judge, he, he was in the book of Judges. He was one of the judges, one of the governors, one of the rulers. He was born for that purpose. Now, you know anything about the story of Samson, you know that, uh, uh, well, first of all, go to Judges chapter 13. And I'm going to give you some, some background. I got 10 minutes to do this, y'all. Folks said, I ain't going to lie to you. I can't do this in 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. In, 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 in Judges chapter 13, you'll see, if you've got a good Bible, it'll say the birth of Samson. Okay, well, if you don't have one, it is the birth of Samson. <laughs> but notice it says here in verse 1, it says, again, the children of Israel did what? Evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. For what? The people did evil, and the Lord delivered them into... Okay, now listen. Listen, listen. Uh, go, go to Judges chapter 2. It says here, then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you uh, up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers 
and said, I will never, I will never, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the uh, inhabitants of this land and you shall tear down their altars. Uh, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Then look at verse three. Therefore, I also will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side and their gods shall be a snare to you. All right. So here's what we see. History now, history, real quick. Go back to 13, but I want to show you, show you that part. So what happened is that the people were delivered. You know, uh, Joshua got them out, right? But here's the problem that when Joshua and all those descendants of Joshua died, folks went right back to doing. Y'all know how sometimes when you, you get free, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like, oh, my Lord, I hate to use this example. But it's like uh, it's like going to the bank and getting a bill consolidation loan. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So you consolidate all your bills in one payment. And then you say, oh, my, I have money. Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> and within six months, guess what you owe? More than what? The Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> Children of Israel, the same way, they got free. But they kept looking at folks around them. And see, sometimes we don't know what freedom looks like. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. See, a lot of us don't know what freedom looks like. We think that being able to do what we want to do when we want to do it is freedom. No, freedom is doing what the Lord says to do. See, if you don't have that authority in your life, you can't be free. You're in bondage to somebody. The Bible says we're slaves to Christ. huh? But you can also be a slave to sin, to whom you yield your members to. Okay, uh, 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 what was that, 1 Corinthians 6? You, whoever you yield your members to. That's who you're a slave to. Now, but let's get back to, to, to chapter 13 of, of, of Judges. So the Bible says, uh, now there was a certain man from Zorah, the family of the Danites, uh, whose name was Manoah, and his wife, his wife was barren and had no children. Okay, here's a, here's a, here's a hint. Here's a, here's a little something you want to look at when you're studying the Bible. When you study the story of Samson, you will notice that up until Samson met Delilah, no woman in his life had a name. Okay? But you, you, you studied that. That's just what we call it, a fun fact. So we find that, 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 that uh, uh, this unnamed mama uh, in verse Three says an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, indeed, now you are barren. Now. Why does the Lord pick barren women? When he wants to raise up somebody special. Because broke uh, barren women are broken. They already hurt. And you can use a person who's broken. If you got it all together, you can't, he can't use you. Oh, <laughs> it's hard to use somebody that's got it all together. Huh? But let's go on. You, she's got the prophecy. Verse 5, I'm, I'm, I'm going fast as I can. I know. He says, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God uh, from the womb and shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. So we know that they are 40 years and Samson is going to deliver them out. All right. So we learned two things there. Samson was born to be a deliverer. 
All right. But he was also a Nazarite. Do not get being a Nazarite and a Nazarene confused. Jesus was a Nazarene. Samson was a Nazarite. A Nazarite means that he vowed, he vowed to dedicate himself to God. Okay? A Nazarene means you were born in Nazareth. Okay? That's why we call him Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's a Nazarene, not a Nazarite. Now, Samuel was a Nazarite. So was John the Baptist was a Nazarite. But, but this ain't about them. Okay? So then, uh, what, I'm going to skip all of this. You know, Manoah uh, got the word from his wife. And I just wanted to show you one thing here because this is so important. We've been talking to you all about relationships over the last several weeks on Tuesday. But look at verse 8. Uh, then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent. In other words, he said, uh, my wife said, but, but. Huh? Okay, verse 11 says, Look at this now, because it's important. So Manoah arose and what? See, see that? See, see that? Huh? Well, that's a different message, but I ain't got time for that right now. All right? So anyway, uh, in chapter 14, in chapter 14, we ain't going to stop there because I'm moving now. In chapter 14, Samson decided he needs a wife. Now, now let me tell you something about Samson. Samson was a man that loved women. No, 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 no. Samson was a whoremonger. Okay? I know, this is church now. All right? So Samson was a user of women, but he met Delilah, who was a user of men. Huh? <laughs> now here's a contest. Now there's some things I could tell y'all, but we are in church, so I'm ahead. All right. But then what you find, and I'm gonna skip all the way over to chapter. Oh, uh, mm. yeah, I'm gonna skip over. I don't wanna tell you all that stuff. Chapter 16. Chapter 16. Now I'm, I'm gonna teach this one day because I need to go through all these chapters because this is good. All right. This is a made-for-TV movie right here. So in 16.1, the Bible says, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Now, let me give you the story so you don't have to read it all. So, so, so the, the Philistines uh, knew that Samson was in there with this woman, and, and, and they had closed the gates of the city because uh, they knew that when, when, when he came out of the house, they were going to trap him. They were going to get him, right? And so they locked the gates, and the Bible says that the gates were uh, 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 iron gates, and, and they had pins that locked in, so they pretty much, Samson got up and took the gates with him. <laughs> My man. <laughs> so, so verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. Afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman in Sarah. Now, he didn't really love her, okay? He did not love her. I don't know why he used that term, love. But anyway, it says, uh, whose name was Delilah. D Delilah means of the night. It also means weak. Hmm? It also means longing. She was a sultry woman. Okay? Now? Uh, for what they tell me, she was a pretty woman, too. Okay? It says, And the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said, Entice him and find out where his strength is and, uh, and by what means we may overpower him. And, and we'll make it long story short. Each of the five kings gave her 1,100 shekels of silver, which in her day would have been $3,750 dollars which by today's money would be about $15 million. Okay? Just, just so we can get the math right. Now, now, 
You, you know what he is. I don't even have to say nothing. I can hear him back there talking about, yeah, I'd get him for $15 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brother just be gone. He just he just be gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what are we gonna do, John? <laughs> I'm just sorry. I mean, hey, you know, he can get another get some more hair, you know. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, let's do this. Let's oh my God, I'm out of time. What to do, what to do. <laughs> so <laughs> Let's look at a little, I'm going to try to do this very fast, as, as fast as I can. Okay, so here's what we know. And I'm going to shorten the story by saying three times he told her, if you do this, first if you bind me with some dry reeds, uh, then if you plait my hair, and, and I forget what the other one was. Uh, anyway, there are three things that, that they did to Samson and said, you know, if you, if, if you do this to me, I'll be just like any other man. Now, my question when reading this, you know, I try to put my mind like Samson, right? How are you going to tell a woman your secret? And three times she betray you. And you keep telling her. I don't even know how to teach this right here. I mean, this right here. Because <laughs> if I told you the first time, now, if you, if, if you tie me up with dry reeds, I don't be just like any other man. And then I wake up and then my hands are tied <laughs> with dry reeds. <laughs> and then you hollering, the Philistines upon you, the Philistines upon you. And not once did he say, well, wonder how they knew. Now, again, I'm going to teach this one day, but this ain't the day, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> ooh, this is such a good. Mm, 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 mm. So, in verse 15, the Bible says, uh, Then she said to them, How can you say you love me when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. It is at this point in time when Samson should have got his hat. <laughs> uh, Delilah, I'm going to go out and get me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <I'll be back. laughs> Woo! This is so good. So verse 17 says, uh, she told him all his heart. Uh, he, he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor shall ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. Okay, now I got to stop here, so I'm going to give you the rest of this part of the story, and I'm going to pick it up next week because I don't want to be, you know, over time. And I want to leave you with something anyway, so. <laughs> but here's the deal. Samson did not understand, neither did Delilah, that his strength was not in his hair. His strength was in his vows. Oh, let me. His strength was in the vows. And what I will show you next week is that as long as he kept that vow, he kept his strength. His strength was tied to the vow. The hair was a symbol of the vow. Amen? 
So I got to stop here, but here's what I want to show you is that when you have a sin nature, listen now, even though you have been called by God and used mightily by God, that if, if, if sin still has a hold on you, you will still fail. Now, just more history. Samson was the last judge. Okay? Now, you'll find from the rest of this, the, the chapter, uh, not chapter, the rest of the, the book, that Samson was the last judge. Samuel acted as a judge, but he was really a prophet and a priest. But there were no more judges. So God had tried uh, uh, Joshua. He tried warriors. He tried judges. And then he finally went to Samuel, tried kings, and none of that worked. But it didn't work because it was a process. He was leading up to something. He was looking for somebody who would remain sinless. All right? So what's he teaching us? Don't yield to temptation. Amen. And please don't do it three times with the same woman. I just can't believe that. I was reading that. Like, Come on, Samson. <laughs> Come on, stand up on your feet. We'll finish this next week. 